Hello, I'm Zev Neuwirth and welcome to Creating a New Healthcare, a podcast series for healthcare leaders who are interested in fresh perspectives, new ideas, and bold solutions on how to advance the creation of a consumer-oriented, value-based, and humanistic system of health. The views I express on this podcast are solely my own and do not represent the views of any other person or organization. Folks, uh, the focus of this interview is about an organization, or maybe more accurately, a number of organizations that are attempting to solve the dilemma of employer healthcare in our country. We're going to find out a lot more about this problem, uh, the organization that is attempting to solve it, and the innovative approaches that they're taking. Before we introduce our guest today, I'm going to make a request of you. If you listen to the podcast and you find value in it, I'd like you to share this podcast with your colleagues. So very specifically, here's what you can do. As soon as you're done listening to the podcast or the next time you see one of our social media graphics on LinkedIn or Twitter, I'd like you to share it with three colleagues or just blast it out to your listserv or your LinkedIn account. I have heard back from quite a few of you over the past couple of months uh, and, and greatly, greatly appreciate you taking a moment to help spread the podcast and spread the word on creating a new healthcare. And I just want to say whatever you're doing is working. I've seen a tremendous burst in the number of listeners listening. In fact, uh, I just checked the numbers this morning. There are well over 7,500 listeners to the podcast now, and the numbers are literally climbing each and every day. So again, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking a moment to share this podcast and the podcast series, as well as the book. I know you've been doing that as well. So thank you for sharing that on Reframing Healthcare. So so let's get to the podcast. I'm so excited to welcome our guest today, uh, Steve Nelson. Uh, Steve is the uh, leader of Contigo Health Team. He's the president. He was one of the leaders who actually initiated the strategy behind Contigo Health. Now, Contigo is a premier company. Prior to joining Premier, Steve was a leader at Anthem, where he served as the Vice President of Strategy and Planning and as the COO of Anthem's Diversified Business Group. Prior to joining Anthem, uh, he led the strategy, product, and marketing at Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield and helped to build the Allegheny Health Network, a provider entity consisting of seven hospitals, 2,000 doctors, and a number of other facilities. Now, as I mentioned, Contigo is a premier company. Premier is a longtime leader uh, in healthcare improvement, uh, over 4,000 hospitals, over 80% of the uh, community hospitals in the country. They provide services uh, such as group purchasing and actually have over $60 billion in group purchasing volume. They also offer technical and consulting services to healthcare systems and provider groups. I'm a big fan of Premier. They actually happen to be located in my hometown of Charlotte and uh, can't say enough about them and uh, super excited to be tracking what Contigo has been doing and what Steve and his team has been doing. So Steve, just want to say uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for taking the time. I know you're incredibly busy. Thank you, Zev. Yeah, glad to join, listen to it and follow it. And so I'm glad to see that it's growing and it's a pleasure to be on today for sure. Well, thank you. I just would love for you to give our listeners sort of a surface level, high level, maybe three sentence description of Contigo. And Contigo, for those of you who haven't read the the, the show notes, is spelled C-O-N-T-I-G-O. You can look it up. But Steve, if you can just give us that high level descriptive. Yeah, I mean, Contigo Health was, um, as you noted, there's a born from really Premier. Um, the infrastructure that Premier brings to the table was around, you know, obviously significant amounts of clinical data, um, also clinical technologies, and then relationships with health systems around the U.S. 
our value proposition is, you know, we're, we're relentlessly focused on optimizing care through clinically led partnerships with employers. And so that takes the health system partner on one side and it takes the employer on the other side, which I know has been an active conversation here on your podcast recently. So, uh, but that's really our value proposition is Contigo Health. Okay. So, you know, let's, let's jump into this whole domain of employer health. How big an issue is employer health in the country? Uh, and what do you see as the fundamental problem that Contigo is addressing? Yeah, I mean, as you know, um, you know, employer health represents the lion's share of the healthcare spend here in the U.S. And even more recently, um, if you were to take the sizes of employers and the lives that they represent and think about any employer that is 5,000 lives or more, they, 91% of them are self-insured. And so obviously this audience understands what that means in terms of them controlling their own benefit destiny. Um, it's their cost. It's their budget costs. They have to understand the medical trend and, and how benefits are consumed by their employees and delivered by their partners. And so obviously, you know, was employer-sponsored healthcare has been big, the trend that we all know about in GDP and how healthcare is growing. But the fact that the employer shift has occurred to where employers are now paying 91% of them, 5,000 or greater, are now paying for their own claims as a self-insured um, employer, it's it's really important now. Uh, those trends directly impact their bottom line for sure. You know, I, I was reading an article that you co-authored, and it, the number that stood out here was uh, private businesses is footing nearly seven hundred and twenty-seven billion dollars in healthcare bills a year, and that was from two thousand and eighteen. So that number has only grown. Yeah, I mean, it's it's staggering if you think about that now, and you know, it's seven seven billion. You you noted it. If you think about what that means now, um, I, I know that that data was obviously, it was the only data we could find, Zeb, from before, just trying to represent that. But if you think about the growth we've seen in the last four years in the U.S. around healthcare, um, obviously due to the pandemic alone, um, and I'd say pent up demand for healthcare, let alone, you know, the healthcare that had to be delivered to the pandemic. Um, you know, we're in a, it's an interesting time right now on how much is actually being sponsored the IT spending that's going to go into it or need to go into it. Um, technology companies right now in healthcare, as you know, in the industries, probably the fastest growth area in the health sector in general. Everybody's trying to get involved on the tech and on the data side of this and solve the problem over time. Um, it's an interesting value proposition on the growth side of IT. It's probably the same uh, percentage increase as the GDP itself. So I'm sure that number is way getting close to 10 billion at this time. Mm -hmm. What is the struggle? What is the pain for employers that uh, that you see and that you're trying to address with Contigo? You know, the biggest pain has been um, the employers, since they're now self-insured, are, are trying to get closer to the clinical setting. You know, I, I think that there's many ways that they do it, whether they're paternalistic or, or whether, you know, it's, it's truly just a classic benefit program that they offer. How their view of their strategic benefits are offered to their employees matters. But the, the trend for, for sure that I think everybody's seeing, at least we are at Contigo, is the direct impact of the employer wanting to understand what the health systems look like right now. What are they focused on? How are they helping to meet their goals? Um, one of the things I, I mentioned earlier is that you know before the employers and the health systems never really collaborated. And we're seeing a level of collaboration now, especially out of the pandemic, that is an all-time high. They're asking for how to get close to what does care look like in a certain geography? 
especially the national calendar of the large employers that have employees all over the US, they were really trying to understand how to get people back to work, get people back to health, what was happening. The pandemic um, gave, gave an interesting trend to the employers, which is their desire to understand directly from the healthcare systems, what's happening in care itself. And so it does align them or allow them to be aligned, Zev, to start sharing each other's agendas, allowing employers and health systems to start talking in a more direct fashion about what they're each trying to solve. This is a movement, this direct to employer movement, the connection of employers directly with healthcare systems. So has this been around for a while? Is, is, is what Contigo doing uh, sort of a disruption in the market of creating a new value proposition? Yeah, I, I, I think that it started for a while. I don't think we've created it. You know, the um, Centers of Excellence program, obviously, that we administer for a significant amount of employers, national account employers, uh, Walmart, Lowe's, Amazon, Facebook, and others. Um, you know, we that program has been around for many years and has shown, you know, cost savings and reduction. But that fundamental program, uh, again, started a while ago really was an employer and a provider talking about a specific bundle, an area of care that they can collaborate on together. And what were the quality metrics that they would establish together to administer that care? And so I think there's been pieces of it, Zev, over time. I don't think it's just started, you know, and let's call it the, you know, around the era of, of ACA or how, how retail consumerism was coming to evolve in the marketplace. Uh, but I do think it's getting a finer point now. Uh, more people are focused on what is the network I need? How's quality management being delivered? Um, I have some special needs for my health plan. My employees have some different needs. I am a certain type of employer and I need to address this type of employee. So there's a lot of different needs that have come through this. I think it's, a, it's been around for a while, but I think it's now having a finer point where it's a lot more agenda-based, how the employer has an agenda clinically, what the health system or health systems can do to help them facilitate that health agenda as well. You mentioned centers of excellence as one component of this larger direct-to-employer you know, shift in the market in healthcare. Can you explain for our listeners how, uh, you know, let's start with the centers of excellence, what that actually means, what that, that does for employers, um, and then maybe move on to some of the other components that you've built into, into the Contigo offering. Sure. Sure. Yeah, the centers of excellence was really the employer's desire to really get after the appropriate care, um, appropriate care, certain clinical standards, quality standards. The centers of excellence today is uh, 17 health systems around the U.S. Uh, we fly patients, uh, drive patients, bus patients, train patients, whatever it takes is the modality to get them to that center of care. In advance of them receiving care from that center, we um, Contigo, along with the employer, have agreed to the quality standards. And those quality standards are put into a bundle. And then the bundle gets administered through those health systems. And national account employers can direct um, employees to the closest health system that has already met and agreed to administer those quality standards. And so it's a perfect collaboration in our, in our term because the employer, the, um, the, employer, the health system um, are really on the same page talking eye to eye. Um, getting back to kind of our core mission, if you will, but the patient receives the benefit and they get care that really should be applied. It's been talked about in some of your other podcasts that these, these employees, all of them don't need to receive care that they've received. And so that inappropriate care um, has been a big focus of the ROI for employers where 
there's a certain lens that's taken prior to receiving care. Could physical therapy work? Have we taken other clinical protocols to try to meet the need of that patient um, versus just going and operating and doing the operation immediately? There's a thoughtful path on understanding quality. Um, but honestly, everybody thinks that's lower cost of. It's actually not the case. The Centers of Excellence program, as published before through the Harvard Business Review article that was published, um, in a lot of cases, it costs the employers more to administer that care, but the outcomes and the inappropriate care has been eliminated. Better outcomes and inappropriate care being eliminated. When you package all that up in the ROI story, um, it's why the, the program still exists today, is there is a benefit to it being done with a much better outcome for the patient or the employee at the end of the day. Yeah, that's fantastic. Where is sort of in which bundle or which area of clinical care is Contigo uh, focusing these centers of excellence? I know they're, they're sometimes broken down by procedures or by specialties. Could you give us an example of, of one in particular? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the specialties in general are joint, spine, cardiac, bariatric, and oncology. Um, they all have a different level of, of quality, let's say, that gets administered. Obviously, you know, spine surgery is about, you know, the need because um, it's a lot of pain management as well. And so spine surgery is a big surgery on is there a direct need to operate or not? Uh, joint, joint replacement, joint, an elective. Cardiac has a different spin on those, bariatric, another different health benefit. Oncology is more second opinion based. Um, pat, you know, really, what is the path of care? Uh, the treatment plan for care and getting a second opinion on that. Um, where two doctors can collaborate on that opinion-based care program for oncology. And so each one of them have a certain bundle around them. Again, they're all a little bit different based on the specialty. But if you take away the travel off of the front end and the back end of that, it really is a customized bundle for that patient to receive, you know, the right uh, care pathways, the, the being managed with a patient advocate through that care. Uh, being handled on post-care and post-operative care and making sure they're transitioning back to their home care the right way. And so it's, it's a lot like a true navigator program, but probably, you know, now it's actually delivering care. And so the, the, care, the areas of care that we focused on have been based on the employer's needs and desires, but the health systems have come along too to meet that with quality standards and practices that they've all agreed to. At a Corezev, I would conclude by saying, you know, our, our bundled program is executed at about a 95% standard across the US. And so do we allow the flexibility for some of the health systems to adjust? Absolutely, and the employers are aware of that. But at its core, the standard is really applied to most, and that's why we can do it with a national account um, employer across multiple different geographies. List those again. Where are these bundles or these centers of excellence? Which clinical domains you mentioned? Yes, yeah, so we have oncology, bariatric, cardiac, spine, and joint. Yeah, just those are the key areas today. Again, if you think about the problems of the employer or where the employer is trying to get close to care, um, obviously in the elective space, joint care is, is critical. Um, spine care and cardiac care is obviously just important from claims and health and, and expense. Bariatric care, um, again, health of the employee, productivity, better outcomes over the, you know, the, the, over post that surgery. And oncology is just due to the spend. Um, it's a lot to unpack for employers. And so there's been a lot of need to look at the opinion, a second opinion, if you will, just because oncology care is so close to home for many people. And it and it's, it's so specific um, and specialized. And so there's been a need for the employer. So we've really tried to follow bundles or areas of focus that were the most important for the employer. 
And so let's say you pick one of these areas that, and again, what I love about it is, is the consumer focus. You're going to the employers and saying, where's your pain? Where's your concern in terms of whether it be the cost of this thing or the outcomes or, you know, you're concerned with lost productivity. And so you, you've selected these areas. How do you actually create, as you say, this, this bundle, this uh, sort of patient journey, if you will, how is that built? Who, who actually helps you design all of that? Yeah, so it's been over time. We've built all the bundles over time. Um, obviously, we work with the employers to understand that. The employers that we um, really do give us suggestions, feedback. We work with the health systems. You know, the health systems, and you know this, obviously, care gets delivered local, and they know it. They know it very well. They know what is their protocol, how do people come into the health system, get the best care possible, go out with a great outcome and healthy you know, that they know it. So it's really, it's, it truly is a collaboration to build the right experience. Um, we do help shape that. There's gaps in the middle where you have to, the patient has to transition from one thing to another. We, we help that by giving them kind of a navigation experience through that bundled program. But truth be told, I mean, it's really working with our partners. Um, if you think about that, that pursuit we have of optimizing care, uh, you can't do it without the health system. And I, I fundamentally believe that's one of our differentiators is we want the health system in the front seat of the car with the employer uh, talking and collaborating on the best way to do this together. That's the only way where I really think you're going to crack the egg is when you get them talking about them, their, their needs, their health interests together. And so we actually we actively keep them involved in our products and services. Uh, we think that's a really important part of it. Actually, Contigo at its core, you know, just to let you know, Contigo in Spanish means with you. And so that was really where we came up with Contigo Health is we were trying to do something with the partners at the table of the employer and the health system. You mentioned one of the components uh, and you mentioned it a couple of times a couple of minutes ago, this notion of a, of a care navigator and a, and a navigated journey. I think that's a really important part. And, and I wonder if that's a part that Contigo actually brings to this because uh, that isn't always the case in, in a lot of uh, the care that uh, folks receive around the country. Can you say a little bit about, you know, have you brought this to that as, as that emerged in your conversations with the employers and the healthcare systems you're working with? How did that part and, and, and what's the significance and importance of that? Why did you mention that it's one of the key core offerings and services? I think it's important because um, by far the employer of today, and I'd say the health systems of today, everybody's more focused on consumer patient experience, I would say, than ever before, at least in my 20 plus years in the industry. I think everyone started it. There's been people in the industries, the carriers, um, a couple specifically, I think have really tried to dip into consumerism and do it very well. Um, I do think that now that's kind of evolved to how the employer wants and needs to care about it. And really they're asking questions now on what happens in the care setting. And so for us, we felt the need to do that around this program because the collaboration's great, but there are gaps. Um, there are gaps in area of care, no different than us personally consuming care. We know that there's things, even being in the industry, that you could make better, you could fine tune. And we think that, that that component of adding in good navigation is a part of that. Now, the navigator could come from one of many areas. We, we partner with navigators in the industry, um, Accolade, Quantum, and others, where they're obviously they have patients that they're trying to help navigate, quote unquote, the system. Grand Rounds is another. Um, we work with those types of partners in the industry, but we also know that in the core of you getting and receiving care, 
there's other questions. There's other billing questions. There's other, what do I have to do now? Where can I travel to? We kind of take that to, to the, uh, the top of that um, navigation because we're helping people travel. And so we do more on the bookends of that, not just the middle part, which is very important, but we're actually putting travel around it. And so I often have said that I think we're doing the hardest portion of navigation because we're doing it from your house to a, to a destination and back. And so there's a lot of other complicating factors. Uh, the biggest thing for us on that experience is it's going to be how do we evolve it and replicate it and how can we use data? And I would even say more so Zev technology to probably lead us down the path to do more of this. A lot of people's view of these networks or bundled networks, et cetera, is, you know, what doctors are in or what doctors are out. And one of our perspectives is how do you enable the health systems, all of them, or the doctors, most of them, to be in? Uh, it should be more of an opt-in philosophical view of transforming care together um, in, in our belief than it is just kind of a, you're either in, you met the line or you didn't meet the line. And I think there has to be more collaboration in, in order to transform care. And I would say, frankly, the doctors and physicians and health systems, they want to do the right thing. They're trying to do the right thing. It's how do you get the incentives and the, and the, the metrics aligned to go and work together to do that right thing. And so we think that technology can enable this more. Uh, we think that the centers of excellence can be evolved to a lot more of the U.S. And actually, we, we do believe that new forms of technology like clinical decision support and other tools that we're bringing to bear um, in our network architecture can help us facilitate getting more of the health systems and more of the doctors back in to the network that they want to be in in the first place. Um, and it's just versus the haves and the have-nots. Mm -hmm. Well, you mentioned so many things I want to dive into. At least the first is I just want to point out you're really creating a vertical uh, partnerships or cascade. I mean, this is not like a single organization trying to do this. You're bringing in, as you said, accolade uh, and grand rounds around navigation. You're talking about technology. I know that you you also have uh, some insurance capability uh, with the TPA that you're, you're, you've brought in. You have the hospital systems. So this really is a vertical ecosystem that you're creating uh, around the employers and around their employees as patients. Is that true or how do you see? Yeah, it's very accurate. Um, you know, we, we think that there are, there's different aspects of this ecosystem to your point. We think that we have to have some basis of some TPA services to administer um, and execute the business that we're all talking about. Often those things aren't the, the sexy pieces of the business, if you will, but they're needed. Um, they are the guts of the business that we have, and we have to be able to execute business in the ecosystem of healthcare and do it differently. But to your earlier opening, Zev, the, the things we're moving into, having bundles, trying to, you know, thinking about how we're building out clinical decision support, rendering data from our parent where we can and clinical data so valuable, uh, or clinical technologies that exist in health systems today that are being used to manage quality or um, or their own EHR environments. I mean, all these things can really come together. We don't really believe that um, we can also do it all. So what we have partners is because we've had employer partners say, we'd like you to work with in one of those vendors, or those vendors will call us and say, hey, we'd like to collaborate with you on something unique. So we're trying to be pretty flexible in terms of how we work across this broad ecosystem. We work with carriers as well in our bundled products today, our centers of excellence product is actually we work with the carrier. Why? Because those claims have to go back to the person to reconcile their deductibles. So we're working within the ecosystem. We think there's more power off of collaboration than 
uh, you know, walling things off. And so we're trying to be pretty flexible as long as it still keeps us back to our core. Are we, are we getting after kind of clinically led partnerships between these two parties? And then how do other people come in to help that kind of manifest itself? And, and I think we're trying to do it in a, a mendable way. I guess we'll know as we continue. Um, but so far, so good on success. That's for sure. Yeah, just uh, wanted to ask you a question. So to my mind, this is uh, potentially a disruption or disruptor of the traditional insurance company carrier modality, but you just said before you're working with the carriers. So maybe explain what a bundle is. Uh, I, I suspect most of the listeners are aware, but just maybe explain what that is. And, and again, I'm curious if you are in fact working with the large uh, insurance carriers. Yeah. So our uh, the bundle, I mean, what goes into a joint replacement or what goes into spine surgery or what goes into bariatric or um, select areas of cardiac surgery, um, you know, those bundles all have starting points and endpoints. And for us, it starts with travel and ends with travel. But if you took off the travel um, and you looked at the middle portion of it, those middle portions are when I check in, did I get a gown? Did I have a room? What did they use in the operating room? What did they use in post-op? All of that goes into a clinical bundle. Um, as the employer has already worked with us to figure out that contracted rate, then we need to help the employer pay that rate directly to the health system, which we do. And then we have to take it, let's say it was Zev's claims, we would take Zev's claims then and send Zev's claims back to his insurance carrier. So they have a full view of how Zev, you know, used insurance. Um, and so it helps you with your deductible, your family deductible, because again, you're still rendering care. Your employer's still paying for that care, but maybe you had a copay, maybe you had a co-insurance, just like you getting surgery anywhere in the US. In this case, we're asking you to get surgery in a designated location based on quality metrics and scores that have already been vetted. And so out of that bundle, if you will, um, comes the price. And through that, that again is agreed to, again, by the health system and the employer. But we got to reconcile all of that claim back through the carrier so it goes to you, the patient. It is obviously noted in your claims and your data and your history. Um, if the carrier is going to talk to you later with care management or case management down the road later in that year, uh, they need to know if you had surgery. They need to know what the claim looked like. They need to know what was done in the procedure. And so we do share data. We are connected into all the carriers in the industry uh, based on the employer asking the carrier to connect to us. We do that work today. And so we are already working with all of them across the US. Uh, we're just really, it's, it's a carve out bundle in one specific area that the employer is trying to address in a very targeted way. But we help them administer that on a B2B side, but we still need to close the loop with benefit information on the B2C side. And we do that as well. What a complex business we're in. And now I know why you've got meeting after meeting every day. This sounds very much like the, you know, the CMS bundle payments, you know, the BPCIA, uh, the bundle payments for care improvement, uh, these 90 day bundles where basically you supply that service 90 days uh, from the, the point of admission, as you say, from the point of travel to, you know, 90 days after that, which includes the procedures and post-op, et cetera. So will you be participating as CMS launches these in the future? Will you be participating in those as well? Uh, yes, we do. Today, we are only participating in our bundled program with national account employers. They're obviously self-insured. And so based on that and them being self-insured, um, you know, for today, that's the commercial book of business. Tomorrow, we may consider um, other options. And, and there have been discussions on can, 
you know, the intellectual property that we know around the bundles and can the bundles in general be applied to other books of business and, and participate in some of the other programs. I'd say we're getting questions about that. We're considering options, but we haven't made a final decision whether or not we would look to move into a different segment of business. I guess that's kind of our future roadmap, if you will. You know, as I talk to groups and, and actually work in this area myself, one of the biggest challenges uh, people talk about is physician behavior, provider behavior, team behavior, system, healthcare system behavior. And currently the, in the fee-for-service model, there are certain behaviors that are incented and certain that are not. So I'm just curious about how do you provide or align the appropriate incentives uh, for the healthcare systems and the healthcare providers? Yeah, great question. I mean, on the bundle side, so we do work that out. So if you think about working out who gets uh, what piece of the pie whenever the payment is kind of brought into the environment, yes, we have worked that out with the health systems that are part of our employer centers of excellence network, um, again, around the country. And so we've, we've done that heavy lifting. We have some good knowledge in that space on kind of what happens downstream into that health system and, you know, environment from a payment perspective. Um, I would say, you know, how do we handle the incentive side of it on other things we're doing? Um, really right now, we're, we're just looking at, are there opportunities for risk? Are they in a risk program? Can we help them understand value? Did the employer ask us to help them execute a risk-based program? And so, we're now starting to kind of take the bundled program that we have and think about other types of products around that. And that does get involved with value directly, obviously. Um, but there's also other products and services we're thinking about that really get after value differently. Uh, one of the ones we talked about recently is kind of clinical advantage and clinical advantage is having a product get rendered through clinical decision support. And so, you know, if you thought about the environment of the health system, they're all tapped into the EHR the clinical decision support tool sits on top of the EHR natively, and it helps kind of follow Zev or Steven through their course of care in the health system. One of the things that enables us to do is think about should that be offered to that person at that time, right? It's kind of the prompting of care or best practice alerts, what's considered BPAs in the industry. And are there certain things that could trigger, does that really need to happen? Should we be doing this? And so it's a way to bring value through a a system view. I think a lot of the terms out there today is systemness, if I'm not mistaken. Um, how are they all thinking about it together, not just one area? And I'd say that's fee for service or value. But obviously, Zev, as you know, um, you know, if an organization is involved with a lot more value today, we need to have products that the employer is willing to consider to be a value-based type of product. And so we are actively working in some value areas today with employers. They've asked us to go into some specific markets, partner with a health system on doing some value-based work that could be a little bit towards risk, that could also just be towards a certain condition or an area or a panel. And so we're working in some different ways. As long as it gets back to optimizing care between the health system and the employer, we're willing to look at it, whether it's fee-for-service or value, but it's tricky. Uh, getting aligned in the organization whenever it's kind of a split house there's things there you need to work on to make sure you're working with the leaders of the health systems to make sure that we execute the right way as well. All this, you know, again, you're, you're bringing and kind of love the sort of that vertical integration, that alignment, that seamless journey, uh, creating this ecosystem of care, you know, before the surgery or before the procedure, during and well after it. It is the right thing to do. 
Um, it does, as you were saying before, I now could understand how you're saying this actually isn't costing less money. In some cases, it's actually you're putting a lot more into the care to make sure that it is safe, which in the end probably does save money, uh, but you have to invest in this, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt of the, at least the employers that we're working with today. Um, and I, I think that they're all, you know, on this strategy, which is the right utilization. Sometimes that may cost more, but is it the right utilization? We, I must tell you, I mean, from all the employers we work with, um, they are truly interested in what's the right thing for their associate. Um, and so I think in a lot of ways, honestly, Zev, it does get back to, could it be more utilization? It's possible. But was it the right utilization? And I think if everybody has the right outcomes, you know, quality, we, we, we've kind of been banging on the low cost drum for so long. And so many different architectures are built off of be a part of a preferred network or preferred something else. But the first, you know, the first lever they pull is cost. And I, I think after you pull the cost lever, pull the cost lever, you're really squeezing the balloon somewhere. We, we have to make sure that we're really addressing, was it the right quality of care? Can it be expanded upon? Did it incur more utilization or not? Well, I don't know if it matters. If it was the right course of care, and I know that my productivity is better. I know that the outcomes were better. I didn't have never events occur in the clinical setting. I mean, I think things like that now the employer can get a little bit closer to. And, you know, helping standardize it. You brought up clinical decision support on the front end of that. You know, it's it's interesting thought, you know, the doctors we worked with to build out protocols, because you can imagine we're building out protocols that come from the center bundles that I noted earlier. Um, we think it can be deployed over time through technology. And if we can deploy centers of excellence intellectual property through technology, we can scale it quickly. And I think if we can do those two things, we allow a lot of other doctors, physicians, health systems, practices within the health systems to elevate their care up, but then also all be on the same page. Um, a lot of the, you know, I'll, I'll note this to you and all the clinical people that are listening in actively, you know, a lot of it is also what alerts do I not need? <laughs> it's also, you know, the physicians and the, and the physicians and the pressure being put on doctors and nurses and clinical staff in today's day and age of all times is an all-time high, um, an all-time high. We're asking them to transform care while we're at war with a, with a global pandemic. And I think we're also trying to be mindful, you know, to be honest about where we can eliminate alerts in care, take away things to make it easier for the doctor, present information that would be more knowledgeable. One of the things we're trying to put in on clinical decision support is benefit information. Wouldn't it be great for the doctor to know, sitting there with the patient, to know that they have access to um, another area of behavioral health that's already paid for by their benefit design, that they have access to a smoking sensation product that's already paid for in their benefit design? There's a lot of things that the doctor should and could know. We just got to get the right data served up to the right technology and deploy it as much as we can across the country. That's kind of why we're trying to optimize care but do it towards a data technology slant so we can scale it in a more effective fashion. Yeah, that's, that's a great depiction of the use of technology to uh, make it easier for doctors to deliver better care and to offer you know, more comprehensive services to patients. Do, do you have another example? I mean, you, know, you talked a little bit before about analytics as well. How are you using analytics to improve 
patient care and to uh, help uh, providers? We're using analytics um, at our core when we we're really, let's just say we take Zev and, and put him through either what would be a clinical decision support product. Our reporting is really how many engagements out of the clinical setting occurred. What did the clinical setting recommend? And then you look at claims data to see, did they close the loop? And so we're trying to think about the leading data, the, the I, I hate to say it, but kind of real-time clinical data. I know the terms used a lot, but literally out of the clinical setting, out of the EHR, use that data to start your breadcrumbs now. So as you look at the claims data later, you can close the loop on, did it happen or not? And so I think the way the industry, and I'm part of the industry, so I'm with it as well. We often have looked at claims data and then tried to work backwards. And, you know, that doesn't work. And, and especially in today's consumerism market, uh, that really doesn't work for people like us that are just trying to engage care in a real-time way or in the next day I have to do something. And so a lot of the ways that we're starting to pull in new data is what we can pull in is clinical data, either engagement clinical data or clinical data out of the clinical setting, allow the clinicians, the health systems, or um, us to execute that for the patient and then tie it eventually in an anonymized way back to the claims data to say, this is what happened clinically, then this is what happened to the claim. And that's a reframing. I mean, not to use your word you know, directly, but honestly, Zeb, it's a reframing. You have to really think about um, my starting points, the patient and what data that they're being put upon them now in a clinical way. And almost if I could see you walking down a hall somewhere, there'd be data points falling off of you clinically. And then from there, I get back to then we did what with you in any clinical setting, navigation, care, follow-up, whatever it was, bundled payment, surgery, PT, whatever. And then what happened to the claim? And I, I think with that as a mindset, that's where we think we're going to have a lot of value working with, you know, obviously our parent company and Premier and health systems and employers. We think there's a lot of value in terms of the full view of the claim. Um, I don't think claim data is going to go away. I think that carriers have a full view of a lot of that. And so there's a lot we can do to collaborate in the industry to think about how clinical data early on can really be impacted prior to getting to the claim, still looking at both data sets, but doing it in a different type of pattern or a kind of like a staged pattern to see what income, what outcome we're really creating in the environment. Having spent a few years in population health and working with payers, uh, I understand the enormity of the problem that you're talking about and the challenge and the opportunity to actually uh, make care more seamless and stitch it together. Let's just shift to a couple of more questions. I know we've got to wrap up soon, but how do you measure success? And what are, what are some of the metrics as you report back to your employer customers? We, you know, we look at classic NPS. We track our net promoter score. Uh, we track it on our B2B clients. We track it on uh, our engagements we have with their people, their associates. And so we're starting now getting after a lot more detail to understand how is the experience, how is, you know, what, what occurred. And so really kind of a net promoter score in some different areas. So that's, that's one key one. Obviously, that's not new to the industry. I think that's really important. We do look at the outcomes of our core products and programs, uh, especially the Centers of Excellence program. We do look at outcomes. We do track the data. We do 
uh, work with our employers on what we're trying to solve and what was their trend in that area and did we help it? Um, were there inappropriate care that never occurred? Um, you know, was there a reduction of surgeries year over year? And really we found some that did not occur. Uh, a lot of our employers, Walmart, Lowe's, have been again published and noted areas where they've seen savings. They've seen it through productivity. They've seen it by areas that have not been spent. And so I think that there's, there's a lot of uh, sophisticated employers out there thinking about their associates in a very positive way every day that are helping us kind of look around the corner of metrics. Um, I would also say when you look at clinical advantage or one that's in clinical decision support, now it's kind of a different subset. Now it's how many physicians are engaged. Now it's what was flagged that they took action on. Um, and if they took action on it, did it ever occur in a good way or a bad way? And then looking at the claim data. And so in that regard, we are, uh, we are you know, I know it sounds crazy. We are actively trying to bring a lot of that clinical and claims data in active use cases to life. Um, was that alert noted? Yes. Did the patient do it in a good way or bad way again? Yes or no. What was the outcome? And so we're trying to look more around reports, quality data, quality practices. What was the report? Meaning flag to the doctor. What happened? Meaning action by the patient. And then what was the claim? And so we're trying to follow some key steps along the way, almost like putting metrics around their journey, um, I think is our desired end state. It will take us a while to get there, but I actually think we got some pieces we're putting around this that will be pretty effective. Um, I recently shared with an employer, we can pull some data out of where we are in the clinical decision support and give you a monthly look at broad, not named, but broad employee engagement in the clinical setting with this health system partner. You know, that to them was like, how do you do, how would you do that? And so we're doing that now. We're actually giving them a monthly report on what's happening in a very specific service line with health systems, with their employees, real-time clinical reporting at a monthly basis. So can we do that at scale? Can we do that with actuaries? Can we start projecting trend before it even gets to the claim? You know, there's a lot of things we can do with early engagement. So I'd say we are focused on some consumer and some clinical metrics, quality metrics, but we're almost doing it at product line levels. Um, versus more broadly speaking. Yeah, that's fantastic. So you're really using real-time sort of leading metrics uh, around engagement and follow-through. You know, one of the things you mentioned before was travel. And, you know, classically, we think of these centers of excellence as being in a, one or two spots around the country and, and employers having to put their employees, their associates on planes and, and get there. Are you doing some of that? As I understand it, you're also having... Uh, hotspots in major cities across the country so that um, employees, associates can uh, stay close to home? Yes. We have been building it out based on almost like a retailer would, where you have you know employer lives. We need to map out the health system partner that we can find in that regard. And that is obviously driven by our employers um, and their data, uh, You know where they would like us to go geographically. What is the timeline to get there? So we've been growing it. Um, we had a partnership uh, we, we left in good terms, by the way, with the Pacific Business Group on Health with the Center of Excellence Program, again, known as the ESIN. It's called the Employer Centers of Excellence Network. Um, and we, we have since took on full control of that ESIN product. Uh, it, again, was with partnership with PBGH before. And so we're going now where we can expand is twofold. One, where the employers that have come into us have specifically said, we need that geography. Can you help us here? 
And so we're working with them beyond the 18 geographies we have across the US today to kind of fulfill either a service line or a geographic or both um, requirement in certain markets. That's a good approach, but, but you know to travel for a very specific reason. Um, we are actively trying to deploy the centers of excellence through technology and other markets. And, um, you know, getting the, the, the time frame to stand up a center today is between six and nine months. And we're trying to get that down to three months. And then instead of standing up some other things we would do in the operating model of that, do it through technology. And so we already have the technology. Um, we're now working on all the clinical protocols to build that out. We, we know what they are and we have doctors working on them to build them out. So I think that we have some ways that we can scale, um, but we've also done that middle ground. And that's what I mentioned earlier, Zeb, where we're giving people the, the planes, trains and automobiles version of how can we get you there um, in a customized way. And so we've, we're, we're really trying to be very mindful uh, of, of where our network and how our network scales. Again, based on the employer lives, kind of like a retailer would, I have need here in these markets. Can we go and build out stores? So we're looking for health system partners to fulfill the supply side. And honestly, out of the pandemic, the biggest thing is people are now using the Center of Excellence program to guarantee their elective. Uh, there's a big fear that you know the pent up demand of electives when it finally hits will be too daunting for health systems to fulfill. And that the pent up you know, demand of electives will then also, what about oncology and other things where people are gonna be using the health systems in a more robust fashion post the pandemic. So people are now asking us to really contract with them to quote unquote guarantee that their electives can be met in a quality setting. And so they're willing to have their employees travel and do that because they don't know if they can get the supply side guaranteed otherwise in a quality setting. And so we're seeing different use cases for it, but for sure, on our near-term roadmap is to kind of standardize a lot of the product that we have, replicate it through technology, and then try to deploy it in a lot more markets than we are today. Wow, that's exciting. It makes a lot of sense uh, in terms of the approach you're taking. This is a growing movement. In one of the articles you co-authored, you talk about the fact that in 2020 already, nearly two-thirds of employers are planning to steer their associates, their employees, to these centers of excellence for uh, these certain conditions and procedures. You know, so it's not just the Lowe's anymore, the Walmarts, it's a significant percentage of large employers across the country. There are, and just to be clear, you're, you're spot on, which is there are multiple different centers of excellence that exist out there. Um, the carriers have them, many people have them, and they have different flavors of, of value. Um, you know, whether that's monetary value in terms of how it's paid for or quality, et cetera. Um, there's different opportunities out there. Yes, they are all thinking about new ways to think about bundles and centers and and how to really get insure. I mean, they're really trying to insure, um, you know, that's an E, not in, not, that's the E, insure, but they're really trying to ensure that their patients are going to be taken care of, their associates are going to be taken care of. And they know the data. They know the trend of their employees. And so if it's a certain type of, area of center based on their medical trend and it's not going well in the heart space, then they got to figure out something for cardiac, then, you know, they'll say, I need to do something towards this condition. And that really lends itself to a bundle or a center of excellence type of methodology. Um, what I've shared with people in the industry is that there's plenty to go around. There's a lot of tra transformation still on the table. And I actually feel like we, we encourage all those. I'm a big category marketing guy. And so, 
um, you know, all boats should rise in this case. We should bring everybody along for the ride to transform. And so, you know, I'm encouraging more people, more employers, but it's not with us. Think about how you can and what you're doing to contract differently with your carrier or through your carrier or to the health system in a differentiated way to achieve your health outcomes. And so there's a lot of programs out there. And I, I would say the trend is at an all-time high in terms of the bundle, the center mentality in the industry, no doubt. Well, Stephen, I really appreciate your bigger view on this category and on this need and, and really on this movement that's transforming healthcare for the better. I know we got to get you to your next meeting. So just want to uh, thank uh, our guest today, Stephen Nelson, who's the president of Contigo, uh, a premier company. As I do every episode, Stephen, I also turn to the audience and conclude by thanking all of you out there who are doing the hard work each and every day of taking care of patients or those of you who are supporting those who are directly taking care of patients. I and we truly appreciate you for what you do and recognize how critically important your work is to individuals, families, communities, and our society. This is Zev Neuwirth on Creating a New Healthcare. My friends, until next time, be safe and be well.